The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Then he began to reproach the cities in which most of his deeds of power had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the deeds of power done to you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted in heaven? No, you will be brought down to Hades. For if the deeds of power done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that on the day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Good morning. God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, draw near now. Amen. Popular parenting wisdom shares the idea of collecting one's child. With this method, parents are encouraged to get down and humbly in a child's space and space to in an inoffensive way, gather them in that they might be taught. It is intuitive, respectful, and physical. And I think the parenting experts pulled this one straight from the playbook of Jesus. In today's gospel, Jesus speaks to an immature gathering, quote unquote, this generation, lays out the truth of their problem, gives an example and consequences in the verses traditionally left out in today's reading, reminds them of the importance of relationship with him, and finally offers the invitation, a way out with an opportunity for learning. He collects a generation of unbelievers, those who get stuck complaining, who refuse to acknowledge ultimate authority, 
who deny powers displayed for their benefit, who find the work of the mission more difficult than they imagined. He collects this space of clamoring confusion and with open arms leads and guides towards tangible change. The movement is stalled here. Jesus pushes for progress. He teaches by offering another way. To begin, infancy isn't a bad thing. It's a posture of learning that ultimately shows maturity. And childlike faith, according to Jesus, is a blessing. But in today's text, he uses the term children to convey the concept of unproductive communication that leaves the message of the day unheard and a community, because of confusion, complacent. Jesus speaks to express at a critical moment his frustration with an unresponsive generation. Unmoved by the power of God, they dismissed the call to active service in the Jesus movement. What Jesus wants, what he's always wanted, is our affirmative response to God's dream of a just world. Any word spoken or miracle performed was spoken or performed toward that goal. Jesus spoke and taught that we might believe and subsequently repent, that a relationship would begin. A relationship that would demand as disciples our continued response and future activity. With Jesus, we have the gift of choice. We always have and we always will. Then as now we see a generation that chooses status and corporate gains over human life, we see a tight-lipped silence over inequities that favor the rich and leave the poor to struggle. We see resistance to change and the resulting tension it creates. But when change, dressed as love, made its way through the Galilean community, they were given a choice, either for or against. Then as now, Jesus demanded a response. We face those same tensions today. Nestled between the rising numbers of COVID-19 cases and the rush for a vaccine or cure, the protests and rallies for Black Lives Matter, the removal of Confederate statues, the call for Juneteenth as a national holiday, and a shadowy celebration of the 4th of July. We have the same questions. Will we choose money over morality, fear over faith? Will we lift up an ethic of love that embraces the marginalized? Will we hide behind hashtags when what the people really want is change? What will we choose? What will we do? Will we, are we, in our complacency and lukewarm response, rejecting the will of God? A few critical verses are omitted from the traditional reading of today's gospel. And Denise and Christine and I talked about it this morning and we decided to include them. In them, a handful of communities reject the authority of God as displayed through the many miracles Jesus performed. They dismiss Jesus's offer of repentance, of turning away from the injustices of their current world to the possibility of a new and liberating way of life. I highlight them here because of their relevance to the crisis we face today. 
God is speaking. Miracles are happening. We're carrying the burden of a global pandemic in tandem with the suffering and tension brought on by the chronic disease of racism. God is absolutely and always speaking. We don't have time to mince words or play games or be so gentle with each other that we fail to say the things that need to be said, not if we love each other. If we lean in, we'll know the importance of paying attention to what God is doing in our midst and for discerning those messages and for acting accordingly. It's time, friends, to huddle up, join in, find our way into this collective embrace, the circle of learning and growing, where together we'll prepare to move forward. We can't read the invitation without first reading the warning as wisdom. That's more of that learn from me that Jesus consistently lays before us. The invitation reads entirely different if we first read the woe. These verses highlight the relevance of Jesus's ministry, a ministry presented as a manifestation of God's will to save all God's children all the time, period. Will we discern the signs? Will we repent or will we reject God's will? Can we see ourselves in that unrepentant generation? And if so, what, oh God, are we going to do about it? For many, a growing sense of frustration looms near. We're tired. We ask, will change ever come? And when it comes, will we again kill it on a cross? Will we open our minds and hearts to it? Will we embrace change? So here's what's true. Our leaders have the power to shape our communal response in the fight for equitable values. Our leaders have the power to influence mask wearing and to quell tensions around race or set them aflame. And as we've seen, our leaders have the power to use any religious symbol to promote a message that is contrary to God's will and way. But what's also true is that we, you and I, we have the power to respond. We can welcome change. We can reject the old way and embrace the new. We can set change free. We can learn. We can work towards a world centered on contributing to the fair distribution of wealth and opportunity. We have the power to elect leaders who will represent us as, we, as they make changes on every level of government to ensure a more peaceful and loving society. We do. We have the power to bend the curve towards justice for all. It's what we must demand for and from ourselves. So how, oh God, do we motivate our leaders, even ourselves to do this work? I hear Jesus's response like this, and it's whispered as equal parts, prayer and promise. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This isn't about a passive stance or an invitation to rest as in a break from labor. It's not about a vacation. The kind of rest he alludes to is a revolutionary balm for the people of God, all the people of God. It's about an invitation to a way of working and learning together in love, a way of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Come is an invitation to be helped, to be taught. However challenging our lives may be, however frustrating or difficult the work may be, Jesus promises we do not labor alone. Modeling a loving parent, Jesus is a gentle and humble teacher. We are to learn from him, do as he does, pushing ourselves to go deeper as we journey toward maturity in Christ and complete obedience to God. Listen, he says, follow and learn, and then motivate it by what you've learned, act. We've got to shoulder this burden differently if we expect to see real change, if we hope to move past an emotion-filled moment to make tangible progress within the mission. To do this, we've got to be surrendered to wisdom. We've got to remain teachable. And so St. Peter's, to what have you turned your ears and eyes from? To what have you become unresponsive? Where are we stuck? What's happening in our world that presents the opportunity for us to choose? In what ways do we need to grow up? What do we need to know? Jesus says, learn from me. Ending the chapter as he began teaching and proclaiming his message of good news for all. So come, come if you have submitted and committed to this relationship. Come learn and relearn how to live this new way of life. Come and receive help. Come and do as Jesus does. Come and learn from him. Please join me as we bow our hearts in prayer. Most gracious God, we are an unrepentant people. Forgive us. Help us to hear and submit to your will and to accept your invitation of love, your unwavering, unbending commitment to the welfare and prosperity of all. When we center dollars over human life, when we choose relevance over obedience, when we ignore the cries of those in the margins, we betray your trust in us and the partnership we've committed to. Help us to remain committed to a faith we won't be intellectualized out of. Help us to learn from you, to with humility work toward the advancement of your dream, courageously submissive to your authority. We pray your will be done now and forever. Amen.